0: So the first MVP was realizing that difficulties wasn't so much with learning new skills, but it was getting noticed for your first job. How do we replace the very first step of applying for a job, which is typically a resume screen? The first product was essentially a technical assessment. We built that probably within three to four weeks of, of when we realized that was the first product we wanted to build. Instead of reviewing resumes for a company, we would just send this technical assessment to every applicant, and then we would pass candidates who showcased strong skills in that assessment to the first interview round. My name is Jacqueline Ling, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Hatchways.
1: This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. Six months moonlighting. I was with the backhand. Who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know Just what to do next. It took many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. The
0: company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. I was proud of our team.
1: Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a yes, pain. Yes, we've been fighting it as we grew. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, my Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried it again to ride the ups and downs of the startup life. We need to really want it. not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Labhart. And today, how Jacqueline Ling created the platform to increase the hiring signal and create real-world technical interviews. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open-source Edge database from the creators of LibSQL. Do you put your edge computing close to your users? You should put your data there, too. Terso makes this easy utilizing the developer experience of SQLite. Access a free starter plan at terso.tech slash codestory. Terso, welcome to the Data Edge. This episode is brought to you by our friends at MemberStack. MemberStack is the fastest way for you to launch a beautiful Webflow MVP with robust authentication and smooth payments integration. Join companies like Slack and American Airlines in serving millions of members every single day. Get started for free by visiting memberstack.com Codestory. Jacqueline Ling is a super competitive person and has been her entire life. Whether it's board games with her family or playing sports in her younger years, she wants to win. She still plays sports today and watches basketball, specifically the Miami Heat or Toronto Raptors. Outside of that, she is a low-key person, enjoying taking walks, hanging out at the local coffee shop and thrift shopping. Jacqueline is a self-proclaimed terrible interviewer, which never gave her the best foot forward when looking for jobs. When her co-founder and she wanted to solve a problem in the space of hiring, they wanted to enable people to have access to more opportunities and get noticed better for their first job. This is the creation story of Hatchways.
0: I've always believed, you know, the interview process is very broken. People get evaluated on interviewing skills in highly stressful and inequitable environments rather than, you know, can they actually do the job? This came from a very personal, you know, problem that I faced for as long as I can remember. I've always just been a terrible, interviewer when you asked me to do like a math problem on the spot or a case study I've always just frozen up and so I've always felt like it never gave a good reflective view of like what I can actually do on the job and so Hatchways is about helping people get jobs because they can actually do the job and today we start with engineering and technical roles and so what it looks like from a product perspective is that we give the ability for a company to easily customize GitHub-based technical assessments where candidates complete tasks like reviewing code, submitting a pull request, or improving a system's design. Companies can easily facilitate this interview experience on our platform and use our human-assisted automated system to evaluate all applicants in a very consistent, standardized, and fair manner. When we first thought about this problem, it was very much based on this idea that opportunities were not given equally to people. And to be honest, it's a very, very broad and big problem. And when my co-founder and I thought about wanting to solve a problem in this space, we just wanted to get really close to the problem and understand it better. One of the first things we did, or whether you call it our MVP or just kind of a, a thought experiment, was run kind of a boot camp where we would teach people skills for the first time and help them get their first job. We wanted to understand what problems people go through when it comes to coming out from like a more non-traditional background and trying to land a job. And we learned so much going through this process of taking people from, you know, newly immigrants, new immigrants from Canada to teach them coding skills, or people who had non-programming backgrounds and doing career shifts, or people whose, you know, first language wasn't English and teaching them these programming skills. Like we're teaching them skills for like six weeks and helping them get their first job. And we learned so much about all the you know biases people have in interview processes, all the difficult with resumes in general all the difficulties with like how people interview and so that was kind of actually our first step into getting to where we are today with Hatchways was just understanding like what is the problem with how things are done today what are the biggest pain points that candidates face when when it comes to getting a, a job and that's kind of where we started actually
1: so let's dive into the MVP. And maybe maybe it's the version right after that, since, since you told me about that, getting close to the problem. Tell me about the first version of the product. How long did it take to build? And what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life?
0: So the first MVP after that was realizing that the difficulties wasn't so much with learning new skills, but it was getting noticed for your first job. And so we had this idea of how do we replace the very first step of applying for a job, which is typically a resume screen. The first product was essentially a technical assessment that would replace a resume screen. We built that probably within three to four weeks of of when we realized that was the first product we wanted to build. And it was pretty basic. It was just basically, here's a technical assessment. We created a couple of different assessments depending on the role, whether it's back-end, front-end, or in general. And instead of reviewing resumes for a company, we would just send this technical assessment to every applicant who applied. And then we would pass candidates who showcased strong skills in that assessment to the first interview round. So that was that was sort of our first MVP.
1: So let's stay on that MVP for a second. With any MVP, you got to make certain decisions and trade offs around maybe, you know, feature limitation, tech debt, um, you know, focus approach, all the things and you mentioned a few of those at a high level, but I want you to dive into them for me. Tell me about those decisions and trade offs you had to make and how you coped with those decisions
0: was there was a lot of i would say things that we did manually so obviously we just built the ability to facilitate the assessments but we didn't build any automation or anything the ability to like review these assessments at scale and so we basically had to get humans to review every single assessment individually for the first i want to call it a couple of years What that would look like is if you imagine like somebody applying for, you know, there's an open role for a developer position, how many applicants would you get? You might get, you know, 300 and maybe 100 of them will complete this assessment. That means like a human had to review 100 assessments per open role that a company had with Hatchways. And so that was definitely a really big trade off that we probably only realized too late. We kind of took that advice of like do things that don't scale maybe too literally for too long because we were... Having to scale up hiring humans to review these assessments rather than go back and kind of like build a foundation of like a more automated and scalable solution.
1: This episode is encrypted by CypherStash. Data breaches are becoming a fact of life. Know why? One of the reasons is because developers lack the right tooling to get the job done, i.e., encryption at rest tools are complex and inadequate. The solution? Encryption in use with CypherStash. Cypherstash uses searchable encryption and use technology, providing continuous and universal protection for sensitive data. With Cipherstash, you can turn your existing database into a vault, utilizing zero trust key management, SQL native, and with no code. Though encryption is complicated, Cypherstash is easy to use. The tool fully supports SQL via a drop-in driver replacement, supporting the query types you know and love today. And did we mention it's fast? For queries over 100 million records, you can expect additional overhead of less than 1 millisecond. It's a no-brainer. Get started by reviewing their docs or downloading sample projects in Rails or Node plus SQLized today. Visit cipherstash.com/codestory and get started protecting your data. This episode is supported by Treble. This day and age, APIs are a fact of life. And as such, product and engineering teams need tooling that is lightweight, real-time, and data-rich to help them ship and maintain APIs faster. That's where Treble comes in. Treble is an all-in-one platform for the entire API lifecycle. The product offers world-class monitoring and observability, providing more than 40 data points for each request, enabling you to understand everything from performance to user behavior. Dashboards help connecting your entire team for lifecycle collaboration. Documentation is automatically generated, saving massive amounts of time for your development team with every new release. And setting up Treble? Super easy and fast. In three simple steps, you can be up and running with their platform. Their pricing is designed to support API teams of all sizes. So get started with Treble today and automate your API ops. Did I mention they have a free forever plan? Find out more by visiting treble.com codestory. That's T-R-B-L-L-E dot com slash Codestory. So you've got your MVP. It's working. You're getting some traction. How did you progress the product from there and mature it? And I think to wrap that in a box a little bit, what I'm looking for is how did you build your roadmap and how did you go about deciding? Okay, now this is the next most important thing to build or to address with Hatchways.
0: I think a lot of times we just ask ourselves the question around like what is the bottleneck right now to growth that could be scale problems so it could be like we need to build a more scalable platform because right now we're really capped at the amount of humans that are we have as reviewers it could be the applicant experience oftentimes we would hear from companies like we're worried that the candidates don't want to do this and so Uh, that could for some time was a bottleneck to getting new companies to sign on to use our platform and so then we put a lot of effort into building a really good candidate experience sometimes the bottleneck was sales so it was more about putting a really good sales motion in place so i think we really kind of asked that, that question around what is the biggest bottleneck to growth right now
1: okay so then how did you go about building your team and what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you
0: Because we're a pretty technical product and we sell into technical companies, the first few hires were software engineers. And luckily, because we built a product to vet software engineers, we were able to build our whole initial team through our product. Essentially, candidates who would come through, we identified them because they did super well on one of our assessments. We sort of had what we would call just like, you know, the ultimate diamonds in the rough pool, right? Like people who may not pass a typical resume screen, but We know they have really strong skill sets. We kind of had first dibs on. So that's actually how we started hiring our our whole team was just through our product. Yeah, and I would say the first four or five hires were, were software engineers. For me, team culture is just an accumulation of every single person on our team's personality and self. I think I don't try to inflict too strong of a team culture because I don't want it to be a place that I feel comfortable and happy and I want it to be a place where everyone is excited and happy to come to work at. I think the most important thing to me is to make a culture or an environment where people feel like they can be themselves. It's hard because usually people have their work self and will have their home self, but the best ability that I can do to like help people feel comfortable to be themselves is kind of the culture I try to build. I think a step to do that is being an example of that, you know, being comfortable being myself not trying to hide sides of who I am and just being comfortable with, with who I am, comfortable with saying what I want to say, and just allowing people to feel like they can do the same.
1: This episode was automatically optimized by CAST. If you run cloud native software on AWS, Google Cloud, or Azure, you know how out of hand the bill can get. This uncertainty hurts your business, but you can solve it with CAST AI. Cast.ai automates cloud cost, performance, and security management for hundreds of companies of all sizes. The platform's customers begin saving immediately and cut an average of over 60%. So before you go and sign a multi-year contract with a cloud provider or lay people off, check out what Cast.ai can do for you. To get you saving even faster, Cast.ai is offering a free cloud cost audit with a personal consultation. Visit cast.ai slash Codestory to get started. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL, the popular fork of SQLite. If you put your edge computing close to your users, like with Netlify or Vasell, edge functions or Cloudflare workers, you should put your data there too in order to maximize performance gains at the edge. TURSO makes it easy. With a developer experience of SQLite in a distributed database, you can replicate much closer to your users than traditional database offerings in the cloud. is lightweight, easy to use, and free to get started. The team at TURSO is offering a generous starter plan specifically for Code Story listeners. Head over to TURSO.tech slash CodeStory and get started today. That's turs dot CodeStory. TURSO. Welcome to the Data Edge. So let's flip to scalability. And I already, I hear you in a lot of manual things in the early days. So maybe I'll I'll have an idea of where you're going to go with this question. But did you build this to scale efficiently from day one? Or are you fighting this as you grow in, in certain capacities?
0: Definitely the latter. We definitely did not build for scale from day one. And as I kind of mentioned, I think we did a lot of that do things that don't scale for a really long time. I'm sure you know, right now has been a very turbulent time in tech, which means that a lot of companies actually aren't hiring and a lot of companies are sort of taking a step back and revaluating team sizes and stuff, which is on one end been tough from a sales and growth perspective because a lot of companies aren't hiring and looking for new products like ours. But on the other hand, it actually gave us the chance to sort of take a step back and actually build a more scalable platform. So we've been able to take this time right now to invest more in our product and software. And so now I think we've built out a product that's a lot more scalable so that when things do pick back up, we're kind of ready for for that kind of growth.
1: Okay. So as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of?
0: I think it's really always comes down to the people. And that answer kind of breaks into maybe two parts. The first is the people that we've actually helped as part of our, you know, of our product. It's people who, We've helped get jobs that wouldn't have otherwise gotten noticed. And I always, you know, there's so many stories of people who have told me about how they've always had, you know, fear doing interviews or they've always gotten screened out because of resume or they're really bad at phone screens because they have a stutter or, you know, there's just so many stories that I've heard of where our product has helped people get noticed and get, get opportunities. And I just think I'm always really proud of our product's ability to do that. And the other side of the people is, of course, just the team. As I mentioned, I'm like really proud of the team that I've built and the people who decide to come work for me every day. Really, a founder can't take that for granted. The people who decide to work for you I'm just you know, think I have such an amazing team, and I'm always really, really proud of that.
1: Let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it.
0: This is something that I've reflected on quite a bit, especially lately when the market's kind of been a little bit slower. I think that a mistake I made early on and for probably too long was playing for short-term wins. What I mean by that is just making decisions for short-term growth or short-term win rather than trying to think a little bit more for the long-term. A really specific example of that could be, you know, every single month I send a monthly investor update and oftentimes like for a while, I'd be really focused on how do I make sure that my next month's investor update looks really good. And so a lot of times that can make you make decisions that are a lot more for this month rather than thinking about what's the best thing for the quarter or the best thing for the year. And so I think that the mistake is just having two, like short short-term horizon in mind and not thinking about what are the best decisions to make for, for the long run.
1: Okay, Jacqueline, so this will be fun. What does the future look like for the product and for your team?
0: High level, it's really just continuing to build a product that solves this problem better than anyone else. And that can kind of been broken down into, you know, how do we solve hiring challenges for teams and companies so that they can hire more efficiently and more fairly? And how do we solve challenges for applicants and candidates to make sure that it's a really fair and enjoyable process for them as well? So just continuing to learn from our users, understand how we can solve these problems better for them. And then kind of more long run is just how do we continue to build this interview experience or inter- interview solution across other industries outside of tech roles you know I just I love the idea of just being able to ideally scale this out across all industries and, and and roles in the future.
1: Let's switch to you, Jacqueline. who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why?
0: Athletes are a huge inspiration to me. Like the NBA is a huge inspiration to me. I always feel like I get a big burst of energy whenever like the playoffs come because I'm just watching all these players get be so like competitive and motivated and it just energizes me. You know, I've always been a huge Michael Jordan fan, huge obsession. Just remembering his journey, remembering, you know, he took seven seasons to win his first championship is a, is a big lesson, a rem- reminder for an entrepreneur like me where it's just like, you got to be patient, so you have to... Trust in the process and just play the long game.
1: Okay, so we talked about a mistake, but this is a little different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? It doesn't have to be something that went wrong, it could have been something that worked really well, but maybe you'd tweak it a little bit.
0: I mean, I think it's similar to what I mentioned around like not scaling too quickly. I kind of talked about it in the sense of, doing things that don't scale for too long, but that kind of goes hand in hand with scaling the team and people too quickly. And so because we were doing a lot of things that didn't scale, in order to keep up with the growth we were having, we had to just add more people. And so I think we scaled our team a bit too quickly in the beginning. When we realized that you know some of these challenges that we were facing would have been better solved by software rather than by people, we had to you know make decisions about our team size and, and kind of make changes that way. So I think scaling our team too fast was probably something that I wish we, we could go back in and, and do differently.
1: Okay, Jacqueline, last question. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show off the world. Can't wait to show off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit?
0: So this is actually advice I gave to myself the second time I, I did startup, which is which is right now. So I did my first startup right out of college and I did it for about two years and it was a pretty challenging experience because I feel like I wasn't equipped with a lot of lessons that I have now after I finished that company, I knew I wanted to start another company, but I kind of told myself that one thing I have to remember before I start the next company is I have to really learn how to enjoy the process rather than focus on the outcomes and what, you know, the achievements I'm going to hopefully have. Because I knew that if you want to do something big and make a really big impact you know it's going to take a really long time and if you don't enjoy the process and the ups and the downs it's going to be really hard and it's really not going to be worth it so that was advice i gave myself back then and i think i would just give the same advice to anyone who'd want to start a company now is just just find a way to enjoy the process otherwise it won't feel like it's it's quite worth it
1: that's great advice well jacqueline thank you for being on the show today and thank you for telling the creation story of hatchways
0: thank you so much for having me
1: and this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Labhart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.